Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for supporting our ministry. Thank you for sharing our resources far and wide. I am so grateful. I hope that question is forever answered. The question is, is it okay if we share this with someone? The answer is absolutely yes. Just copy that URL, send it out wherever in the world you want to send it, and I would be most grateful. I do appreciate uh, it's one of the ways that you can support our ministry is by sharing our content. This is episode 285. The title of it is Fighting the Culture War for the Sake of Our Children. If you want to read the show notes to this episode, please go to 285 and you can read what I am looking at right now, what I'm sharing with you. There are some embedded links there as well. I have a nice infographic too, and you can look at that. Our resources are free. We want you to have them, enjoy them, benefit from them. And of course, as always, we want you to share our resources with 1,000 of your closest friends. Our resources, this ministry is brought to you by those who faithfully support it. Thank you so much for all of you who have supported this ministry throughout this year. You have, because of you, you have given us the biggest year of our ministry as far as our reach. God has chosen and in his divine, mysterious mind to use this ministry to impact lives near and far. And I am so grateful. But he has moved the hearts of a few people to make that happen. And those are the people who support our ministry. There's about a dozen of us that work very hard uh, to help you all and to build these resources out. And we're doing so many different things. It is a 24-7 operation because we are an internet ministry. And so we never sleep. We're open 365 days out of the year. And you just never, never know how God will use it. And we do hear the stories. And I am so grateful of what he's doing through this work. I am very grateful for those of you who underwrite it by taking your hard earned dollars and sending a few this way. Again, if you want to read these show notes, go to 285, Fighting the Culture War for the Sake of the Children. And isn't that always the rub? For those of you who have children, you understand exactly what I mean. I mean, it's like, well, you know, I will be okay. I'll be fine. Especially me. I'm old now and most of my days are behind me, or most of my days are in the rearview mirror. And I'm looking for a city. I'm looking for that, that country whose builder and maker is, is God, and it's not that far off any longer. And honestly, the earth is, just has less and less appeal. But there's that one nagging thing. There is the rub, that we are aliens here living on this earth, and we have a responsibility to proclaim the message of Christ. And one of the reasons that we want to do this is for our children. We want to give them a, a world, a country, a city, a town, a, a cul-de-sac. We want to give them a culture that loves God. And we see that we're just, we're just receding as the culture continues to to grow and expand in their their worldview and their their anti-god perspectives and it's encroaching and it's taking over and influencing our children 
it wouldn't be as much of attention to me if I didn't have children, but I do, and many of you do too, and and again, that is the rub, and you feel that, and you want your children to grow up in, in, in the freedoms that you had, in the things that you have experienced. You want them to be able to live in, in such a way similar to how you live, but you see those things going away, and it is quite discouraging, and I want to talk about that in this episode, and that's why I titled Fighting the Culture War for the Sake of Our Children. When your child begins to embrace a worldview from the culture, there are some things that you want to assess. You don't throw in the towel. You don't give up. No, you you stop. You want to stop, and you want to reflect long enough. You want to make assessments, assessments of, of your child, assessments of yourself, assessments of the environment that you have created in which your child lives, and and you want to make those adjustments. And I want to talk about that here, because we are in a full-on culture war, as they are trying to persuade, to intimidate, to censor, to influence the public to their worldview. And it's no longer acceptable for conservatives to sit on the sidelines because this war is real. I do think that many of us, if not most of us, are going to look back on 2020, and and when we stare at our calendars, we're going to say, that was the year. That was the year where everything changed, or in this specific area of, of the culture, just really trying to powerfully dominate Uh, our lives. Now, it's always been there. It's been there for generations, and we know that. They own the academy. Uh, They own the arts and and Hollywood. Uh, They own the technology, and and they they have been working overtime for decades. But Christians have, by and large, taken the perspective, just leave us alone. You do your thing. I'll do my thing, and and we'll we'll be fine. And this year was a wake-up call for many people because we realized that, oh, they're not going to leave us alone. This, this, is, this is not about them carving out something so they can enjoy something. This is, this is them trying to dominate us to where we have no voice at all. And 2020, if nothing else, has been the year to where that has been made loud and clear. And I really hope it's loud and clear to you and that you are, with whatever influence that you have, that you're willing to stand up and to be counted, that you want to do what you can do to impact whoever that next person is beside you. Someone sent in a note, Tammy it was, and she said, do you really think we can turn this back? And I I looked at that question, and I thought, well, that actually is not... That's not a primary concern of mine, because it's not whether we can turn it back or not, but it's about standing for the truth. I mean, that's the counselor, that's the problem in in a counseling office, is that when the wife comes in because her husband's a knucklehead, and she wants him to to be a biblical husband and have a biblical marriage and to lead in a biblical way, and she looks to the counselor to turn him back. And, and no counselor would accept that because that is a role that is beyond what God has called us to do. I would hope that the husband would turn back. I would hope that he would change and, and begin to cooperate with God and his wife as they build a, a biblical marriage. I mean, that would be the hope, but again, I don't 
think of it that way because I, if, if I think of it that way, then I'll begin to take on that kind of responsibility and I might get a little bit edgy or a little bit impatient or a little bit harsh or I'll begin to do things that are outside my realm of responsibility. And so when Tammy says, do you really think we can turn this back? Well, I don't know. One, two, that's not, that's not within my pay grade. And, and then three, the Lord is the only one who knows if it will turn back. And to quite on, be quite honest with you, I don't know if that's his will. I don't have the mind of God on, on what should happen. This is not a theocracy, and, and I don't know what his desire is for America. But number four, I know that I am to stand for the truth. Now, that is one thing that I do know, and that is one thing that, that you need to know that you have to stand up. We can't be afraid and we can't be quiet. We don't have to be harsh. We don't have to be unkind. We don't have to be mean-spirited. We don't have to be illegal. And I realize that they are those things. They are unkind. They are harsh. They are mean-spirited. Many of them, by and large, there's obviously a lot of them on the left that aren't this way, but there's a whole lot of them that, that are, and we can't fight that way, but we must stand up. And so this is episode 285, Fighting the Culture War for the Sake of Our Children, and it is a continuation of the last episode where I talked about the culture's influence on our teens using transgenderism as an example. And I used that. In fact, the title of that episode was something, episode 284, it was something like transgenderism is the tip of a much larger uh, iceberg in our culture. And so I was using that as like a test case, as an example, as an illustration of how the culture is trying to influence the younger generation. And again, I use transgenderism as, as an example. And as I was doing episode 284, I was thinking all along that there's a lot of information here, and it's pretty heavy, and it's a lot for a person to process. And as I got to the end, I just felt like that I needed to do a little bit more, especially on the practical application part. And so I gave you a huge data dump on this problem of transgenderism and, and how they are influencing our culture and how, again, it's a a smaller picture of a much larger iceberg, to use my metaphor. But I wanted to be more practical, and time just ran out. And so that's what I want to do in this podcast. I want to give you some practical tips on how to fight this culture war. And I'll use the illustration of transgenderism because it fits perfectly in this idea of fighting against the culture. By the way, when I posted a blurb from episode 284 on transgenderism. When I posted it on LinkedIn, I got me a, a note from LinkedIn safety and trust team. And they said that uh, my episode, the show notes, the article, the podcast, it was, it was hate speech. They said it was hate speech. And that is part of how they censor us. They look at what we do, they deem that what we do is wrong, and because they own the platform, well, they have they can kick us off. It's their prerogative to to do that, and it's not the first time that we've been uh, removed from a platform that our content has been removed from a 
from a platform. And this is going to continue to happen. Now, interesting enough, there was nothing in that podcast, and you can listen to it if you want to, but there's nothing in that podcast that is hateful. I disagree. I have an opinion. I have an opinion about the gay lifestyle. I have a, an opinion about the transgender uh, lifestyle. I have an opinion about a lot of things. I have an opinion about that knuckleheaded husband that comes into the marriage who is ruining his marriage. I have opinions about those things, but what you won't hear is you won't hear hate speech. Uh, I do not speak in a derogatory way toward anybody, and it doesn't matter which side of the aisle they're on. It doesn't matter if they walk with Christ or not, uh, because they are made in the image of God. I'm not going to speak hatefully about them, but it's their platform, and they can they can tweak the rules any way that they want to so that they can do exactly what they wanted to do, is to censor me, and that's exactly what they did. Now, that is one of the reasons that we have invested so much money uh, into our website, and we'll continue to do so because it's important to us that we build our own building. We put our resources in our own building and putting them on platforms when they can censor us. And I have, I've been speaking on this for years, literally, warning ministries that you don't want to build a ministry on a platform that you do not own. It's called sharecropping. And if you don't own the platform, there can come a day where they will say, we don't want you on our property anymore. Facebook is a missional community. Think of it like a country, uh, like I'll pick a country, the Dominican Republic or Portugal, uh, but Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, they're like countries. And so you go into their countries and you begin to tell people about Jesus. And if they don't want you into their country, they can censor you or kick you out of their country. And that's what these social media platforms are. And so if you go in and, and you build your entire ministry uh, in one of these missional social media countries and then you're, they deplatform you, well, you, you, you're really in a mess. And again, that's why we have invested so much money. That's why it's so important for people to support us because we have to build our own building to where we can control the narrative. And so when the culture comes knocking on your teenager's door, what are some things you need to know? Now, in this episode, I'm talking about gender dysphoria, uh, this idea of gender dysphoria. And I was speaking specifically in 284, episode 284, about transgenderism. But whether they're talking to you about transgenderism or, or something else, what are some things that you need to know? And I want to walk you through some things that are absolutely important, regardless of what the topic is. But it's imperative for you to know that every teenager is being influenced. I don't like to speak in absolutes, but that may actually be true, that the culture has some kind of hook. It may be minimal, but it has some kind of hook in virtually every teenager. And so when your teenager, a teenager comes to you and they are speaking the culture to you because that is the influence that that is upon them, how do you respond? And so if you just take, I'm going to take the idea of gender dysphoria because it is so common now, it's common speak. And one of the things that I would appeal to you to do is to not get thrown by the big word. 
when you hear the big word, dysphoria, for example, I would imagine that when most Christians hear, adult Christians, hear their teenagers talk about gender dysphoria, that they get thrown by the word because it sounds sciency. It's a word outside of the Bible. And when, when, when adults, the people who have the power and the influence to be disciple-makers, when they hear these words, they like automatically disqualify themselves from being part of the process of helping them. Because, in this case, the word sounds science And so if, if your teenager, if your 14-year-old girl, daughter, came to you and says, I'm struggling with gender dysphoria, I would be curious if you just stopped this episode right now and just scribbled out a few things as define dysphoria. Uh, what would you say to your teen just to see how well you do before I progress further? Or maybe you have a discussion with your spouse or have a discussion with a few friends. Now, here's some tips using this idea of gender dysphoria that I want you to consider. The first thing is, well, the first thing is don't disqualify yourself. Don't get thrown by the big word that they throw at you to where you automatically censor yourself. And again, so many people go into self-censorship when they hear something that comes from the culture. And so the second thing that I would appeal to you to do is to ask them what it means when they say, I'm struggling with gender dysphoria, ask them what it means. And it doesn't matter if they ask you, or if they say that, you know, I've been diagnosed with ADHD, for example, ask them what that means. Always ask them what it means. And in most cases, they probably don't know what it means, or they have a different definition than you do. And so you just don't want to automatically think that they know what they're talking about, because in most cases they don't. When a kid comes to you and says, you know, you should believe in socialism, ask them what it means. Ask them where it came from. See what they can tell you about Karl Marx. I've seen videos to where they've had these conversations with uh, college students, and they say, well, socialism, I mean, it's about being social. And you'll find that over and over again when you talk to people, that they cannot give you a proper definition of what they are talking about. The word dysphoria means disappointment, is what it means. Or maybe you could use the word discontentment or dissatisfaction. I'm using D words here, hoping that it will be like a trigger or hooks that you can hook the word dysphoria on so you can remember it. But those are synonyms. A person who is struggling with dysphoria is struggling with disappointment, discontentment, dissatisfaction, and so you can just go with those D words. And it's important that you don't disqualify yourself, self-censor yourself. You ask them them to define it. In most cases, they won't define it or define it well. They won't define it accurately or won't define it well. And then you need to know what the word means. And as far as the word dysphoria is concerned, it means disappointment, discontent, and 
dissatisfaction. It would be similar if someone come to you and said, you know, my husband is abusing me. Well, what does that mean? That is a broad category to describe something. And so you don't have to be intimidated about it, but you can step into it with courage and try to understand. And then once you bring it into a biblical framework, then what they're telling you will make a lot of sense. And so if they said, you know, if a 14-year-old girl says, I struggle with gender dysphoria, and you say, oh, well, she's disappointed, she's discontented, she's dissatisfied, you're using it more of a biblical framework. It's like, oh, I know what she's saying. Now, you, you have to ask yourself, does she know what she's saying? And then you begin to walk through it at that point. Now, what she's saying is she is telling you that she has an internal awkwardness, that she's not comfortable in her own skin, that she feels a sense of shame or guilt or discontentment, which is one of the synonyms that I use for dysphoria, that emotionally she's uncomfortable. Another way of describing what she's telling you, she is telling you that she is insecure, now, what I just described to you is native to all of us. I just described you, and I just described me. Once upon a time, we felt this steady disappointment that ran at like an undercurrent, an uh, undertow under our lives, a, a discontentment, a dissatisfaction, an insecurity, a sense of shame and, and guilt and internal awkwardness and not being comfortable in our own skin. That is the way that all of us were born. And so these girls in this illustration, they're just saying that I'm an insecure person, and the culture has given them a language in order to describe or to label how they are feeling on the inside, and they use gender dysphoria. The Christian hears that, takes three steps back, and says, oh, I'm, well, I'm dysphoria. It's, I don't know what that is. And, and so then the, the teenager continues down this path of, of being influenced by the culture because the Christian hasn't stood up and became the adult in the room. And one of the things that you'll find associated with kids who struggle this way is that every one of them are active on social media. Every one of them are active on social media. They have companions, as Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 15, that, that bad companions, they will corrupt good morals. And they have companions like Instagram is a companion and Snapchat is a companion and TikTok is a companion. Facebook is a companion. By the way, adults have these companions as well. And these companions are bad companions because they are designed to corrupt good morals. And they're doing a, they're doing a bang-up job. And so you will find a collection of ideas around this, around this concept, this construct of gender dysphoria. One, you're talking about an insecure person not comfortable in their own skin. Two, more than likely... 99 times out of 100, they're active on social media, or they're being influenced by the culture, and social media is the primary way in which they are influenced. Therefore, number three, their companions, their companions will be social media companions, their favorite platform, and those platforms are weaponized because there are individuals and organizations that, that are 
always moving through those platforms, looking uh, like what Peter said in, in 1 Peter, is a roaring lion seeking whom they can devour, and they're doing it through social media platforms. And so if your child says that, we're born in, that she's born in the wrong body, you don't disqualify yourself, and you don't overreact to what they are saying. Overreaction, by the way, would be disqualifying yourself. Another reaction would be getting angry and getting frustrated with your child because of what she's saying. Either one of those would disqualify you. Either you disqualify yourself because you don't feel like you're capable to enter into the conversation with your teenage child, or they disqualify you because you overreact in anger or frustration because of what they are telling you. A better response is for you to see who is influencing your child. Begin to walk through her companions and to see who actually has more influence over your child. Now, you will find that it is social media, again, 99 times out of 100. And as I have appealed on several episodes, that if, if you haven't watched the documentary yet, Social Dilemma, I, would as, I can't make a stronger appeal for you to figure out how you can watch this documentary. Currently, as of this episode, it's on Netflix, but perhaps you can find it uh, through other avenues. But I strongly appeal that you watch this documentary called Social Dilemma. And so you want to see who is influencing your child, and then you want to see what is influencing your child, like, say, a mobile phone. And if your child has a mobile phone, you have to ask some questions. Why does your child have one? What are your phone rules? What are the habits with your family? What is your habits per child? And how are you addressing each child individually? Because no one, uh, no group of children are created equally. They're all different, and what's good for one is not good for the other, and so no parent should be parenting the same way because every child is different. So who is influencing your child? What is influencing your child, like a mobile phone? What are your phone rules? Another question that you want to address is how has your home environment contributed to a child desiring to isolate? If a child, if children are isolating into their own rooms or their own corners with their mobile phones, then what does that say about your home environment? What are you all doing in your home environment that makes it easy for them to do this or palatable for them to do this? And tied to that, one of the things you want to do is describe the relationship that the child has with the dad. Now, you want to describe or or work through the relationship that the child has with the mom as well. But in more cases, you'll find that there's a problematic relationship between the child and the dad. I'm not letting moms off the hook here. I mean, just address the parent. Uh, what is the relationship between the child and the parent? But many times it is, is, it is with the dad. And because of this desire, and the reason I say that is because dads have a specific influence over a child that a mom doesn't have. They have a powerful shaping influence that can 
caused the child to move either into isolation or to move onto a social media platform or to move into the arms of another individual. But they, they will be repelled by their dads, and it's because the dads haven't stewarded their responsibility before God to parent that child in a in a specific way. And I have talked a ton about this uh, throughout our... I have videos. I have one-hour webinar dedicated to this. And again, those resources are free on our website. My appeal here is don't look at how the child can change alone, but examine your life, your marriage, your home too. What specific ways can you encourage your child? In this case of transgenderism, how can you encourage your child in their biological identity? And one of the things you one of the things you want to address is how have you have talked or communicated to your child? Meaning, have you made fun of them? Have you been overly critical? Have you mocked your child? Have you condemned or rejected them in any way? These are important things, how we communicate to each other. Paul said in, in 429 of Ephesians, let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only such is, is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Is your, are your speech patterns more about building up a person or is it tearing them down? This is episode 285, Fighting the Culture War for the Sake of Our Children. As always, if you want to talk about this, please come to our forums, and we would love to chat with you. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.